0: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling listen, truth Opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you every
1: sunrise. Cain thought he could pr- approach God through the efforts of his good works. It was the labor of his hands. It was the soil and the planting and, and then the fruit that he would harvest. But that isn't the way that God prescribed approaching him. It was always through a sacrifice. Works can never get us saved. They can never atone for anything, whatever our good intentions might be. It was that Abel followed the prescribed method and presented a sacrifice.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Hebrews. God has made it clear to you the way in which you can access him. Some will try to tell you that there's other or better ways to do it. The fact is, they're wrong. Pastor Gary teaches you today that Cain took to God what he believed to be his best. He put his faith into his works and presented those works to God even though it was not what God had asked for. On the other hand, Abel knew that God was his only hope. He put all in God's hands and provided nothing more than the sacrifice that God requested. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
1: is not just a feeling, and it's not just sitting around hoping God will do something. Faith is acting on as much as we can, as far as, as, far as what we can do, and it is trusting God for the rest. So it involves some measure of action. It's, again, it's not just sitting around, well, I have faith that, that God's going to do this, and God's going to do it, and God may do this, and God may do that. Fine. But faith is not just a feeling or a sense there's actually some action to be, to be exercised in response to the trust and the confidence that you have in God, who is always faithful. So, you know, don't, don't think of faith as just, well, something that, that you know, I, it's just this feeling and trust, and God does everything. God can do anything He wants. But these examples we're going to read are about people who exercised some measure of action in response to this trust and confidence that they had in the Lord. So please note that as we go through this list. So, in chapter 11, verse 3, no, no greater place to begin after the first two verses than with a faith lesson regarding the story of creation. And he writes in verse 3, "...by faith we understand..." that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. There's two Hebrew words that talk about the creative nature of God. One is bara, which means to create out of nothing, and one is asa, which means to make something with, with material that has already been created. And When it speaks here about the universe, it uses that word bara, meaning God created the universe out of nothing, that, you know, he's God, and so he created everything out of nothing. Um, This is an important place to start. The reason that the writer of Hebrews, before he even gets to the first name of the first person as a good example of faith, starts with this point about creation is because if you can accept that much by faith— that God is the creator of the universe, then guess what? No difficulty you go through is going to be any problem. Because when you realize that your difficulty or your challenge is going to be met by the one who created the universe out of nothing, boy, it sure gives you hope in the midst of whatever you're facing. Because it's like, okay, my difficulty, my situation, my thing I'm, I'm dealing with, I'm going to put my faith in the one who created the universe. And if he created the universe, probably what I'm going through is not too difficult for him. Right? This is Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. When Jeremiah would write one of my favorite verses, Ah, sovereign Lord, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for God, because God created everything. And as creator of the universe, he can handle whatever my situation is. I'm going to share a few quotes with you in regards to the whole idea of creation. Um, The British physicist Stephen Hawking would have disagreed with my statement about God creating the universe. Dr. Hawking came out with a book in 2010 called The Grand Design*. And in his book, The Grand Design, he asserts that God did not create the universe, but he points to something that he called the M-theory. Now, the M-theory basically is, is this. It's the idea that the physical laws of the universe inevitably led to the spontaneous creation of the universe without the necessity of a creator or any other kind of what we would call first cause. So Dr. Hawking believed before he died that The universe is something that spontaneously was generated, that there was no need for a first cause, that the M-theory is why we have all that we have today. Now, what's interesting to note, however, is that Dr. Hawking also wrote a book earlier in 1988 called A Brief History in Time. And in that book, he said this, quote, one could still imagine that God created the universe at the instant of the Big Bang, or even afterwards in just such a way as to make it look as though there had been a Big Bang. End quote. So which Stephen Hawking are we to believe? The 1988 or the 2010 version? I mean, listen, this is a profound and great and wonderful, magnificent really from a humanly speaking standpoint, um, incomprehensible uh, work of God that he would create the universe. Uh, But this is the kind of thing that we accept by faith. And if you can accept that by faith, you're going to have no problems accepting anything else by faith. I frankly would prefer the, um, the opinion of someone who held the same position that Dr. Hawking held at University of Cambridge 300 years earlier, and that would be Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton came to a very different conclusion when he said, quote, this is the, our, our scientist and the father of modern physics, he said, quote, "'This most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world,' But as Lord over all, and on account of His dominion, He is wont to be called Lord God, universal ruler. Amen. So a great scientist can arrive at different conclusions, but uh, I believe in, in uh, the account of Scripture that God created the universe, and the writer of Hebrews says here in chapter 11, that's, that's going to be the beginning point. When you can settle God as Creator... You can trust him for whatever you're going through because nothing is too difficult for him. So then he begins this list here. The writer of Hebrews then begins this list, and he begins this in uh, chronological order, going back to the Old Testament, and he's going to give various examples. Again, 17 people by name, and he's going to start here with Abel in verse 4. We'll see how far we get tonight, Uh, but he starts with Abel. I don't intend to get through all of chapter 11. Don't worry. We're going to spend a few weeks probably in chapter 11. But he says in verse 4, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though... He is dead. Now, he's going to clarify that further in chapter 12, verse 24. We'll get to that later, that last point. But Abel, uh, one of the first children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, were the first two sons of Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel, by the way, did not know paradise. They never knew paradise because Adam and Eve had been expelled from the Garden of Eden before they were born. So um, they didn't know. Uh, the beauty and the wonder of the Garden of Eden. They were not permitted to go back in. Remember, after God kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, he stationed on guard some cherubim with flaming swords so that they were never able to go back into the Garden of Eden. And so Cain and Abel, having been born after that, never knew the beauty and the wonder of the Garden of Eden. One of the things that is inferred in the Genesis story is that God initiated a blood sacrifice from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned against him because it tells us that God killed an animal in order to clothe Adam and Eve with the skins of animals. There is inferred there a blood sacrifice and that this whole idea of sacrifice for the sins to make atonement of people even predates the Mosaic law. Now, it seems to also be an indication to us That the reason why Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God and Cain's was rejected is because, I'll just quote from Genesis, the Genesis account in Genesis 4.4, it tells us that Abel gave to God a sacrifice from the firstborn of the flocks. But it says that Cain in Genesis 4 3 gave to God some of the fruits of the soil. So at some point, the two brothers come before God. They offer an offering to him. Abel has the sacrifice of the firstborn from the flocks. Cain has with him the first fruits of the soil. And the Bible says that God was displeased with Cain's sacrifice, but he accepted Abel's sacrifice. Why? Because Abel followed the prescribed method that God had given for atonement. Cain, on the other hand, circumvented God's prescribed method, and instead of bringing an animal for a sacrifice, he brought the fruit of his labor. By the way, it is a symbol or a type of the fact that Cain thought he could approach God through the efforts of his good works. It was the labor of his hands. It was the soil and the planting and, and then the fruit that he would harvest. But that isn't the way that God prescribed approaching him. It was always through a sacrifice. Works can never get us saved. They can never atone for anything, whatever our good intentions might be. It was that Abel followed the prescribed method and presented a sacrifice unto the Lord. And so in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, it says that the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Cain got all upset. He's like, eh, you don't, you like my brother Abel's, but you don't like what I have. And, and, and the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. And so Abel ends up being honored here as a man of faith because he approached God the way that God had said. He just accepted by faith. This is the way God says to do it. This is the way we're going to do it. Cain tried to circumvent that. And then in his anger and his bitterness and his jealousy, he kills Abel. First murder of the Bible. He kills his own brother. His brother's spilled blood continued to speak. And we'll talk about that in chapter 12, verse 24, when he clarifies that a little bit more. So Abel's the first hero of the faith here, the first person that is mentioned here in this long list. And the next guy that's mentioned is in verse 5, and his name is Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God, as one who pleased God. Now, we know very little about Enoch. He's mentioned to us uh, in the book of Genesis, he's mentioned to us also in the New Testament, In the book of Jude. He's also mentioned here in, in Hebrews chapter 11. His name in Hebrew means dedicated. He was the father of Methuselah. A lot of people know Methuselah, the oldest guy who ever lived recorded in, in the Bible. So Enoch is the father of Methuselah. And in Genesis chapter 5, it says that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Now it tells us, and back in that day, they lived longer. Human longevity was a lot longer than it is today that Enoch lived 365 years, but it tells us in Genesis 5 that he walked with God for 300 years, meaning that when he was 65 years old is what he ha- had this encounter with God and lived out the rest of his life honoring God. That's really all we know about him, and, but he lived in such a right way with God that God decided just to take him up to heaven, and Enoch didn't experience physical death that Enoch was just taken, that God just took him, said, you know what? I love you. You're doing such a great job. I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to spare you the agony of death. I'm just going to take you to heaven. And that's what happened. And Enoch, you know, somehow gets this translated body on the way up, but he's just taken up to heaven. He walked with God 300 years, died at the age of three, or was taken at the age of 365, didn't experience uh, physical death. And, and God honors him and he, and he gets his name listed here in the hall of faith, But we know nothing else about him just that as verse 5 says because he was commended as one who pleased god he was commended as one who pleased god but his life serves to be a challenge for us because look at the next verse verse 6 and without faith it is impossible to please god because anyone who comes to him comes to god must believe that he exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I mean, it starts with just believing in the existence of God and then putting your faith and trust in Him. And I love the way verse 6 says that God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You know, so often we have this, concept, this misconception of God that He is, you know, just anxious to harm or judge or punish. But, you know, the Bible speaks often of His desire to reward us that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. King James say, says, who diligently seek him. You know, Jesus even said in Matthew 6, 6, he talks about even, even when you pray, he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who was unseen. And he who sees, your father who sees what is done in secret will what? Reward you, will reward you. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Paul's advice to all of us in our jobs when we, when we work when we, when we are gainfully employed, he says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is Christ, the Lord, you are serving. Hebrews 10.35 says, do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. And one of the last things that Jesus says recorded in the book of Revelation chapter 21, he says in verse 12, behold, I am coming soon my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. God loves to reward his people. He loves to bless his kids, and he rewards us, and we don't come to him through a system of rewards. We come to him by faith, but he just loves to reward us in response for the faith that we've exercised, so he's a good God. Verse 7, by faith Noah, we have just enough time to get through Noah tonight, and we'll pick up with Abraham two weeks from tonight after the ambassador is with us. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, it's kind of interesting. In the book of Genesis, Noah gets five chapters. In Hebrews 11, he gets one verse. Verse but it's all good. I mean, his life is just summarized in, in one verse. The Apostle Peter, when he wrote his epistle, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. I love that because here he is commended as a preacher of righteousness by the Apostle Peter, and yet only eight people in all ever got saved under his ministry. Only eight people in all, his including himself. I mean, his family, that's, that's who got saved by the ark. And by faith, Noah trusted God and built the ark in response to what God told him. Now, why is this such an exercise of faith? Because God tells Noah that he's going to judge the world by a flood, a worldwide flood. Because the Bible says that mankind was only evil all the time it had gotten that bad that mankind was only evil all the time so god says i'm going to bring judgment upon the earth but i want you to build an ark and noah is this preacher of righteousness you know what that means that means that I had somebody one time years ago trying to engage me. He was not a believer, and and, uh, he was a little hostile towards Christianity. He said to me, you know, one of the problems I have with your God is the whole ark story and knowing the ark. I said, why, because you don't believe? He says, no, because I believe it, but what my problem is is that God would allow how many ever people to die and only save this one family. I said, what you don't understand is you have the wrong perspective of God. God provided an ark for as many people who wanted to be rescued could be. But people decided they didn't believe, and thus they couldn't be rescued. The only people who believed was Noah's family, so only eight in all were saved. Why do you think God offered the ark? It was to save as many people as who wanted to be saved. But they, they raised a fist to God, they thumbed their nose at God, and so therefore they suffer the consequences. You can't blame God for that. God provides a, an, a, a vehicle to be rescued, okay? God wants none to perish but all to be saved. And the ark was an opportunity for people to get saved, to be preserved. But Noah instead, only Noah and his family were rescued. Now, when you look at the Genesis account, it looks like it took Noah about 100 years to build the ark, okay? And you have to imagine, here's what's happening. He becomes the laughing stock of his neighborhood. Because when you look at the Genesis account, you understand creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, what it tells us is that before the flood... The earth was watered and nurtured in, as somewhat of a terrarium effect— that in Genesis 1, 6, and 7, it speaks basically of a vapor canopy that was enclosing the earth's atmosphere. And in Genesis chapter 2, it talks about how mists would rise from the earth. The only way that God watered the earth prior to the flood was through this vapor canopy effect where it was like a terrarium where there was, you know, this self-perpetuating rotating cycle of moisture in the atmosphere and mists would come up from, from the ground. Okay? It had never rained. It had never rained up until this point. So, here Noah is. He's building this ark. It's taken him a hundred years, and he's telling everybody, you better get in the ark. It's going to rain. And they're like, what's rain? Like, well, it's going to come out of the sky, droplets of water. It's going to water the whole earth. You don't want to be here when this happens because it's going to flood the whole earth, and you're going to drown. So, you need to get on the ark. Well, we don't believe it. And so, over a hundred years, people are mocking him, They are mocking him. They're making fun of him. And he's trying to tell them it's gonna rain. You know, the sky's gonna break open and water's gonna come from water's gonna come from the sky. Water's never come from the sky, it comes up from the earth. Noah, don't you know the way it's been all these years? Yeah, I know. But God's gonna do a different thing. You don't want to be around when that happens. So you need to get on the boat. Get on the boat. And they're like, Well, we don't we don't really believe in your whole boat. He's building a boat in his backyard. You think HOA liked that? No. And all these people are mocking him, and they're just like, you know, this is ridiculous. He's like, I'm just telling you, this is what's going to happen, and God in his mercy has provided an ark for you. But they mock him, and he continued to build the ark by faith, trusting in something that had never happened. It had never rained, but God said he was going to bring a flood, and so Noah, in the exercise uh, exercise of his faith, trusted God, built the ark in the face of mocking and persecution of his own day. God is still looking for men and women who will be true to the Lord in the face of mocking and persecution today, still. God wants people who trust the Lord, believe God, and don't care as much about how many people might mock you for your Christian faith. Stay strong in the Lord. Be encouraged by this hall of faith. We'll keep reading the list two weeks from tonight. Read ahead as we remember the people who have gone before us, that we might take heart and be men and women of faith ourselves.
0: The book of Hebrews challenges all believers of Jesus to continue to embrace him as the only hope of salvation. Too often we can find ourselves trying to keep up our faith by adding traditions back in. No one is saved because of Jesus and something else. It's only Jesus. There's still nothing you or anyone else can do to ensure forgiveness of sin. Jesus took care of it once and for all. And through faith in that fact, you can begin to grow and flourish in God's plan for you. FALLING MORE IN LOVE WITH YOUR SAVIOR EVERY DAY. WE'RE HONORED YOU SPENT TIME WITH US HERE TODAY STUDYING THE BOOK OF HEBREWS ON CORNERSTONE CONNECTION. IF YOU'D LIKE TO LISTEN TO MORE EDITIONS OF PASTOR GARY HAMRICK'S TEACHINGS IN HEBREWS YOU CAN DO SO BY VISITING OUR WEBSITE CORNERSTONECONNECTION.CC OR IF YOU'RE SOMEONE FREQUENTLY ON THE GO DOWNLOAD OUR MOBILE APP TO TAKE THESE MESSAGES ALONG FOR THE RIDE. WHAT A GREAT WAY TO KEEP GOD'S WORD CLOSE AT HAND no matter where this life takes you. We'd love to meet you, too. So if you're in the area, come join us this Sunday at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary will lead us in another study of the Bible, and we always include time for worship and fellowship. You'll find service times, directions, and all the additional information you need at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for joining us today for Cornerstone Connection.